Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hey there. Hello again, everyone. Jan Obert here for episode 68 of The Burt Not Ernie Show podcast. Getting the promises of God into the people of God episode by episode. I hope that you are doing really well, enjoying kind of the warm days of summer. And if you're in the U.S., I hope you had a really blessed and just wonderful 4th of July. Um, So on Monday, July 6th, like right after our long U.S. holiday weekend, since a lot of folks had Monday off of work, um, I got a package in the mail. I guess what was in the box? the award that I won from the Spark Media Ventures Podcasters Conference for 2021 Best Solo Podcaster. It's really pretty. I really love it. Um, I'm really thankful and blessed to have won. Uh, I'll put a picture of the award in this episode, like on the show notes and on my social media, and it's really, really classy. It is a nice award. So well done, Misty Phillip. It's fantastic. And your Spark Media Ventures team. Okay, today for the show. We are looking at a promise, but also sort of taking a glance, like a little look, a peek into the life of someone from the Old Testament. And I'm sure you've heard of her before, probably. Her name is Hagar. Uh, We find the story of her life, or I guess like at least the portions of her life that were recorded in the Bible. We find her in Genesis, and we're going to look at chapters 16 and 21. So I'm going to read first from chapter 21, and then I'm going to bounce back to chapter 16. And today I am reading from the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. In my CSB Bible for chapter 21, the heading for this section that I'm going to read says um, says this, Hagar and Ishmael sent away. So yeah, you know, right away we see that this is not exactly a happy season of her life. Can anybody relate to that? Maybe you're in a not-so-cheery time right now? If so, if so, I think this episode is going to be an encouragement for you. This is for you. And as always, there's hope here. There's always hope when we are thinking about God in terms of His promises to us. So much hope is available to us in God's Word if we just take the time to look for it. I promise, if you read the Word of God looking for hope, you are going to find lots and lots of it. You really will, I promise. Okay, so I'm just going to kind of set the stage for what I'm about to read. The Lord told Abraham that he was going to have a son. And you probably know that. I mean, we all know that dealio, right? That promise. He promised to me we'd have a son. And, uh, you know, at that time, Abraham was elderly. So when we are in... um, uh, let's see, when we're in chapter 21, Abraham was probably about 103 years old. When we were in, when we're going to be in chapter 16, he was about 84. So he was elderly. His wife, Sarah, was pretty old too. So Sarah gave Abraham 
her slave Hagar for him to have a child with. This was not that uncommon in that era, but it was not the way that God wanted the promise to come to pass. So, um, you know, and, and even though it was a common-ish thing back then, if we're honest, if I'm honest, this is like not kind treatment of this woman Hagar, period. I don't care what cultural norms and mores were. Uh, I'm putting a period there. Like, that's not kind treatment of her. And Jesus called us to, I think that's part of why Jesus seems so radical to people and in his day, because he just took things that were societal norms and cultural mores and turned them on their head. And you can boil it down to, are you loving your neighbor as yourself? You know, are you loving God first and loving everybody else just right behind your love for God? If not, you know, you're doing it wrong, kind of, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, that's not words in red. That's not word for word. But it is pretty much what he said on these two things hang all of the law and the prophets. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So I don't think Sarah was loving Hagar as herself. I don't think Abraham was caring for Hagar as he would think of himself. So anyway, Hagar gave birth to a son. He was named Ishmael. And then later on, Sarah, in in her old age, she had a son named Isaac. So what we're reading about right now in chapter 21 is the celebration that took place when Isaac was weaned. So think of him as kind of a toddler. This is probably somewhere around two or three. Um, you know, that's kind of the age of weaning in that culture. And when Hannah took Samuel to the temple, and that's in, of course, 1 Samuel, that's a little later on in the Old Testament, um, when Hannah took him to the temple after he was weaned, he probably was about three years old. So um, that kind of paints a different picture. Sometimes we think of the boy Samuel as like, I don't know, like 10 or something. He was little when she left him there. So, um, And that's not weaning age in Western society today. It's just a little bit of a longer process in that culture back then. So that sets the stage. We have an idea of Ishmael's age and Isaac's age. So I'm going to read from chapter 21 now. I'm going to read verses 8 through, I think I'm going to read 8 through 21. Okay, here we go. The child grew and was weaned, that's Isaac, and Abraham held a great feast on the day Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son mocking, that's Ishmael, the one doing the mocking was Ishmael, the one Hagar, the Egyptian, had born to Abraham. So she said to Abraham, drive out this slave with her son, for the son of this slave will not be a co-heir with my son Isaac. This was very distressing to Abraham because of his son, right? Because of Ishmael, this is his son. But God said to Abraham, do not be distressed about the boy and about your slave. Whatever Sarah says to you, listen to her, because your offspring will be traced through Isaac. And I will also make a nation of the slave son because he is your offspring. So there we have a promise to Abraham that they're going to be okay. The boy and the slave are going to be okay. Okay, I just don't like that wording, the slave, but anyway. Okay, moving on. Early in the morning, Abraham got up, took bread and a water skin, put them on Hagar's shoulders, and sent her and the boy away. She left and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she left the boy under one of the bushes and went and sat at a distance, about a bow shot away, for she said, I can't bear to watch the boy die. While she sat at a distance, she wept loudly. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What's wrong, Hagar? Don't be afraid, for God has heard the boy crying from the place where he is. Get up, help the boy up, and grasp his hand, for I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well. 
So she went and filled the water skin and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy, and he grew. He settled in the wilderness and became an archer. He settled in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Okay, I'm just going to do a quick um, run through of these verses, promises I see. First, we see that Abraham was distressed because this is his son. God gives him a promise. God gives him a promise. I'll make a nation of the slave son because he is your offspring. So what God is saying is, it's okay. I'm going to take care of him. And when Abraham had a promise like that, when he heard God, he acted on it. We see in verse 14, it says, early in the morning, Abraham got up and did the thing, right? I mean, and we see that over and over and over again in Abraham's life. There's no dilly-dallying. There's no putting it off for another couple of days. There's no, I'll start in the afternoon. No, he started early in the morning. That's commendable. God gives you something to do. Get after it. When you hear him speak about something, be an early in the morning, I'm getting after the Lord kind of a person. Okay. Um, but what I don't see is I don't know for sure whether or not Abraham bothered to explain to Ishmael and Hagar that here, there's this promise and you're going to be okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know for sure that he didn't, but based on kind of what I see a little later on in the text where Hagar is just like so distraught, she's sobbing for her son. Um, maybe, you know, maybe she didn't know what the promise to Abraham had been. Okay. So he took bread and a water skin. That is crazy. A water skin here going out into the wilderness, the desert with one water skin, one bag of water and sent her and the boy away. So she went and wandered in the wilderness. The water ran out. She left the boy under one of the bushes. This probably is some kind of like a broom tree bush or a scraggly little, like something kind of scraggly, put him under that for some shade. And then she went a little bit away because uh, she just couldn't bear to watch her son die. And I think if you are a parent, um, you get that. It is so hard. And then she wept loudly. Okay, this is interesting. She's weeping loudly. And then it says in verse 17, God heard the boy crying. She's weeping and wailing. Have you ever, as a mom, just been like crying out to the Lord for your kiddo? On, I don't know what any issue, think of any old issue that comes to mind, something you're just crying out for. You may be crying out, crying out, crying out. And the Lord, the Lord God Almighty, the God of heaven's armies, the Alpha Omega, beginning and the end, the one who sits enthroned on high, who will never be unseated from his reign and rule, he could very well be hearing your child crying. And moving right there in the midst of that. He may be responding to your child's cry. One wise thing to pray if you feel like this has been a long, hard road to hoe and you don't know that God is hearing you or answering you, maybe try this. Pray, Lord, give my child a heart to cry for this exact same issue and then move in response to their heart cry. Yes, intercession is a beautiful thing, but there's also beauty in asking the Lord to, by his Holy Spirit, stir up in your child a spirit of prayer that ends up um, changing their life in so many ways. Because if they have a spirit of prayer, they're communicating with the living God on a regular basis. If we are doing all the praying for them, you know, I, I don't want my kids to miss out on one single moment of the amazing relationship they can have with the living God. So, okay, all that to say, God heard the boy crying and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. So she's weeping loudly. God hears the boy crying. And then the angel of God calls out to Hagar 
and says to her, what's wrong, Hagar? Don't be afraid. Oh, don't you love that when God says, don't be afraid? For God has heard the boy crying from the place where he is. What would touch your heart more as a mom? I'm God saying, I'm responding to your prayer right now. Or, oh, I heard your, I heard your, your child that you love so much. I heard them crying and I'm responding. I think the latter. If you're a mom, you get that. Get up, help the boy up, grasp his hand for all, make him a great nation. Get up, mom. Time to get up. Go grab hold of your child's hand. Help them up and believe God for what he's promised to do. And after all of that, after being sent away, running out of water, setting him down in a place far enough away, a bow shot away. I don't know how many feet that would be. Let's say 15 feet away. I don't know. Um, my brother who shoots would know. My son who is an archer would know. Uh, a ways away, weeping loudly, God responds. And then God opened her eyes and she saw a well. All right. And from there, there's like life, right? Because water, especially living water of Jesus is life-giving. It just is. It just, it's like oxygen. We need it. We need it. Okay. So from a mother's heart, can you see how having hope from the Lord just changed everything? Like he didn't say, he didn't open her eyes before she got up. I mean, she had to, she had to get up and then have her eyes open. She had to cry out and then have her eyes open. She had to be in the midst of the difficulty to a point where she's ready to weep loudly. Sometimes we got to be broken. And I mean, broken before the Lord, before we can see what he wants us to see. Um, it's just kind of the way it is. It's, it's the trajectory of spiritual maturity and growth that we're on. And we all know growth comes with growing pains for our children, like when they're physically growing. And then as they mature into adulthood, you know, you see it, you're on the other side of it. Here are the issues that are going to come with middle school and then oh, high school and then college and then early adulthood. There's a lot going on there guess what? We are going to grow the same kind of a way. Okay. So don't, don't, um, don't be surprised if when you're at that kind of a point that that's when God opens your eyes. It's not always a bad thing to be broken before the Lord. In fact, I don't know when it would ever be a bad thing to be really broken before the Lord. Isn't that a great place to be really? When you look back over your life? Yeah, it is for sure. Um, so the, the Bible is so honest and raw too. It doesn't try to pretty things up for us. I am so thankful for that. You know, God's words here to Hagar and her deepest point of anguish are not, um, they're beautiful words, but he doesn't try to make it. The word of God is not written. When Moses penned this, it was accurate, um, you know, because Moses wrote this book of the Bible. He didn't try to make it look like, make the characters look, he doesn't pretty up Abraham or change up the situation that Hagar felt she was in. Um, which is good because when we bounce back to chapter 16, we're going to see that she actually did have a promise about Ishmael. And, you know, we don't see God saying, why didn't you just, why are you crying? Don't you remember my promise? Act in faith or, you know, ever heard that? You just not have enough faith. You need more. Where's your faith? God didn't do that here, even though she did have a promise. I love that. He just shows us in his word who people really are. And we have to make a decision of whether or not we want to Trust a God who lets people be people. Mistakes, um, angry temper fits, the whole shebang, right? He's not a puppeteer. And he's not controlling. The whole word of God shows us that. Are you willing to trust a God who's going to let people make their own decisions? And they're not always going to make the right decision for the Lord specifically uh, that you've been praying so hard for because he isn't 
a control freak. Okay, enough said on that. Um, you know, and here we are at the end of it all, when all the resources are gone and the sobbing and the wailing has begun. Then her eyes were opened and there was a well. God promised to make the boy, Ishmael, a great nation. Um, Hagar, you know, she wasn't crying out for herself here. I don't see that. I don't see that anywhere in scripture. Um, I just don't see that. Here she is crying out for her son, not for her own benefit and on her own behalf. It's for her son. You may feel like things are just really bleak right now. And since this is kind of a mother-son story from the word of God, of course, we can just boom, roll that right over and apply it to parenting. Maybe your kiddo is really struggling with something that's unjust, unfair, just plain wrong. That would have been true for Ishmael. He had nothing to do with any of this. And really, Hagar didn't either. She just had to do what she was told as a slave. And then now he's sent away, you know, and how heartbreaking must it have been for him? Because Abraham loved Ishmael, but, you know, Ishmael lost his dad. This is, this is real world, big rock, tough, tough stuff. So I just kind of want to point out to you, to your heart as a mom or a dad today, that God sees. God sees. He has seen it all as it has happened, as it unfolded. He has seen the being sent away into some sort of wilderness without nearly enough supply. Like, here's a little loaf of bread and one water skin. He knows how hot it is in the wilderness. There's no place to really, like, rest. And there's not. In a hot desert, you don't really get to rest. Um, You're weary. You're sitting your child under a bush as you go a little ways off and sob your heart out. Because, you know, parents can be closet criers. We don't cry over the things that are breaking our kids' hearts in front of them, really. Um, We just don't do that. God sees. He sees. And whatever plans he has for that child, whatever promises he has made, he is going to keep them. I promise. I promise. God keeps his promises. Right now, right now, he may be on the verge of opening up your eyes, showing you a well of fresh living water and asking you to take your child by the hand, help them up, encourage them to keep on believing the Lord because he does what he says that he will do. Your water skin may be totally dry, but your God is still in the business of bringing water from the rock. Jesus, the living water is very much alive and he's moving and acting on your behalf and on your child's behalf. That's the hope and promise that jumps out at me from Genesis chapter 21 from Hagar's Hagar's life here. Now, Abram's, um, oh, and and I'm going to read now from, flip back a few chapters, chapter 16 of Genesis, verses 1 through 16, also from the Christian Standard Bible, and the names are different here. Abraham and Sarah are going to be referred to as Abram and Sarai because God had not yet renamed them Abraham and Sarah. That happens in chapter 17. So, Same people, just they hadn't been given their new names. Abram's wife, Sarai, had not borne any children for him, but she owned an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Sarai said to Abram, since the Lord has prevented me from bearing children, go to my slave. Perhaps through her, I can build a family. And Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So Abram's wife, Sarai, took Hagar, her Egyptian slave, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as a wife for him. This happened after Abram had lived in the land of Canaan for 10 years. Um, Hagar became pregnant, and when she saw that she was pregnant, her mistress became contemptible to her. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for my suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and when she saw that she was pregnant, I became contemptible to her. May the Lord judge between me and you. Okay, Sarai. Wow. Abram replied to Sarai, here, your slave is in your power. Do whatever you want with her. Then Sarai mistreated her so much that she ran away from her. 
The angel of the Lord found her, this is Hagar, by a spring in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She replied, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, go back to your mistress and submit to her authority. And then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your offspring and they will be too many to count. Wow. Okay. So we see the promise there. We see first the Lord, the angel of the Lord says, go back to your mistress and submit to her authority. And then I will greatly multiply your offspring and there'll be too many to count. So he doesn't give her the promise before he gives her a directive, um, a directive that's difficult. That's difficult because she was being really badly mistreated. You go do this, telling you the directive first, and then here's the promise. The angel of the Lord said to her, this is verse 11, you have conceived and will have a son. You will name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your cry of affliction. This man will be like a wild donkey. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him. He will settle near all his relatives. So she named the Lord who spoke to her. You are El Roy. And that may be pronounced El Roi. I'm, I have always thought it was El Roy, but I think it may be El Roi. So let's say El Roi. For she said, in this place, I have actually seen the one who seen who sees me. That's why the well is called Be'ar Lehi Roi. It is between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave birth to Abram's son, and Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael. Wow. Okay, so when Abraham sent her away with Ishmael, it was not the first time she'd been sent out in the wilderness. She had been out there nearing death when she was pregnant with Ishmael. Um, you know, this was a lot of years before that this happened the first time. Uh, you know, Sarah had kind of like turned on her and just gotten mean. Have you ever experienced that where it's like, wow, boy, you got mean. And women can be mean. I'm a woman. I can say that. It's the truth. We could be mean. It seems like Sarah was unbearably mean. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Hagar. Verse 10, I'm going to read that again, says, um, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your offspring and they will be too many to count. I will. Okay. So that seems to imply that this is God speaking to her, not not merely an angel. This is often referred to as the pre-incarnate Christ when we have Jesus appearing to people in the Old Testament. That means before he came in the New Testament, we see him as a baby in a manger. So the pre-incarnate Christ, it's what it says is that a promise was made. I will greatly multiply your offspring and they will be too many to count. And an angel doesn't have the ability to make or keep such a promise. So I do see the evidence here that supports the pre-incarnate Christ talking to Hagar, talking to Hagar an Egyptian slave woman, and he's talking to her. You think he might have something to say to you too? He sure might. And do you think it might be encouraging? Yes. And you might think, oh, the part about his be like a wild donkey and all that. Um, You know, listen, that's just, sometimes we have to read it and say, how comforted would Hagar have been to know that God really did speak to her because she would have seen these things coming about in Ishmael's life. And Ishmael would have had an interesting and uh, somewhat difficult life leading up to this that would have made him a bit like a wild donkey, his hand against everyone. Um, Think about these circumstances when he got sent away into the desert. You know, he was the one sitting under the bush about to die. Um, So 
those things can have an impact on what kind of person you grow up to be. So don't read those verses and think, why did God make him just to be against everyone? I don't think God made him to be against everyone. I think God was telling her what was going to come to be. And there are times that that's really comforting because then we know that we know that we know the Lord spoke to us and that all of what he spoke is exactly spot on, that it wasn't our imagination. We didn't make it up and we didn't mishear. We know that because the details make it clear that it was God. Okay, so um, do, 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 lost my place. I'm so sorry. Uh, okay, so but this is a pre-incarnate Christ that I think we are seeing here. I'm pretty sure you would agree with that. Okay, so here's more proof that it was the Lord speaking to Hagar. In verse 13, she gives God the name El Roi, and that name means the God who sees me. If she's giving God a name, then it's God doing the speaking, right? The God who sees me. She asks, in this place, have I actually seen the one who sees me? Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. It's absolutely astounding. What a remarkable life experience she had here to have God call you by name and ask you where you've come from and where you're going. This is a big deal. This is amazing. It's pretty cool. Would that moment right there not totally change your life? Now, look, Hagar was originally from Egypt. Uh, and in Egypt at that time, you know, Egypt was, they were the world's greatest superpower, so to speak. I mean, they were the stuff. And they had a plethora of gods that they worshipped. So to have a living God, one true God, speak to you personally, calling you by name, asking you where you'd been and where you were planning to go, and then making you such a profound and remarkable promise about your unborn child and your future descendants, um, you know, this must have rocked her world a bit or maybe a lot. And then he told her to go back to Sarah and to submit to her. So you know what? That's what Hagar did. Back she went. It doesn't seem to fix the problem per se, right? I mean, I don't know that Sarah suddenly was kinder to her. I don't know. The problem maybe is still there. The evidence points to the fact that the problem was not fixed because you get to chapter 21 and you see Sarah seeing Ishmael not being so nice, mocking Isaac, and she's like, get rid of him, send him away. Um I don't know all the backstory of that, but I know that oftentimes when you're dealing with children, the expectation that you have is what you get, right? My husband, when he was an officer, used to say about his troops, they, a troop, soldiers do what's inspected, not what's expected. Soldiers are going to do what's inspected, not what's expected. If, if the expectation that Sarah had was low of Ishmael, um, you know, she would have been the authority. Yes, his mom was Hagar, but Sarai or Sarah and Abraham, you know, Sarah would have been the female authority of of everybody there. She would have been like the matriarch. So what she thought would have kind of what mama says goes kind of a thing. Does that make sense? So um, keep that in mind when you're dealing with employees or children, just raise that bar of expectation. Um, they will meet what you expect most of the time. And don't be afraid to inspect some things, not just expect. So raise your own level of expectation and be willing to be involved and checked in and not just, um, you know, shaming, manipulating, guilting, judging, loathing, all that kind of stuff. Don't make the problem worse, make it better. Okay. So I'm guessing that, um, when Hagar did what the Lord told her to do and remembered that this God is a God who sees her from start to finish, from beginning to end, all of it was being seen. She was much more equipped. She could go back and bear up under whatever came next. So maybe the problem wasn't fixed, but she had a promise from the Lord. That's really what I want you to grab today. Maybe the problem right now isn't fixed, but man, if you've got a promise from the Lord and you do, you have a Bible full of them, 
Grab that. This is so, so important. Can you bear up under something just because God, El Roi, sees you and has given you great and precious promises from his word? Sort of a rhetorical question, of course, because I know that you could totally do this. You can bear up. I know you can. I know you can believe him for all his promises. I know you can have an encounter with the God who sees you, and I know that he is right now seeing you, seeing you. You are seen by the God who sees you. You are seen by the God who sees you. And just like Hagar, you can expect to see him at work and moving in your situation. Expect it. So when Hagar was sent away with her teenage son back out into the wilderness in chapter 21 of Genesis, she was not suddenly unseen by God, by El Roy. There isn't an unseeing happening here, not for Hagar, not for me, and not for you. Look, I don't know where you might be feeling mistreated, unseen, in a wilderness, crying out, sobbing. All I know, all I know for sure is that God's word is true for you in any and all of those places. The promise is that God is your El Roy just as much as he was for Hagar, and you could never, ever, ever be unseen by him, my friend. That is the promise from Hagar's life today. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I don't have a lot of other announcements today other than uh, just another big thank you to Spark Media Ventures and Misty Phillip for the award. Um, and thanks for being my listeners. If you would like to share this, um, please do. I would really love that. If you want to leave a review of my podcast somewhere, that would be great. If you have any ideas um, as to whether or not I'm pronouncing, or if you know for sure whether or not I pronounced El Roy, El Roy correctly, let me know. Shoot me a text or something so I can make sure I know the right way to pronounce it. So, all right. Thanks for being here today. I will catch you next time for episode 69 of the Burt Not Ernie Show podcast. Have a fantastic day. Lord bless you. And remember, wherever you are, God sees you. Okay. Bye-bye. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.